What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Bash Brothers Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Connor Chandler. This is my co-host, Jordan Harris. And we are the Bash Brothers, the only podcast where it's like sitting around with your friends, talking sports, life, and everything in between. Jordan, how are you feeling on this Sunday? Well, you know, this weekend was nice, actually. We actually got some good, solid football. Yes, we did. Last week was obviously a little lackluster. Got to see the dogs play again. We did. Uh, you know, obviously some of that game was not what we wanted, but hey, we got a we got a we got a big step up in the quarterback position we this did. week. Got a lot to talk about, but yep. let's start it off with this. All right, the old American holiday Thanksgiving is Absolutely. this week. So, from the Bash Brothers family to your family, however you celebrate, whatever you do, friends, family, food, we just want to say happy Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving's always fun. Just sit around, watch some football, eat some good food. So let's just kind of start it off with this, just real quick, off the cuff. Yep. Favorite Thanksgiving Mac food? Mac and cheese. Oh <laughs> I mean, it's pasta and cheese. What, what more do you want from a, from a Thanksgiving that. food? I cannot argue with that. For me, I'm going to go fried turkey, nuggets. Me and my family do fried turkey nuggets. Absolutely yeah, the best thing you'll ever eat. So not, you can, not all of us are that fortunate, though. That's so, true. I mean, you know. if, you can, if you're fortunate enough to get some fried <laughs> turkey this week, enjoy it. But like we said, happy Thanksgiving. And now we got to talk some college football. Let's so let's start it. it off here with the old Bash Brothers Weekend Review one of you guys' favorite segments. Let's get caught up on all the action that, that happened this week. All right, let's start it off in the Big Ten. OSU, Indiana. Yep. Um, I think uh, OSU's a 21-point favorite coming in. I think everybody thought it was going to go that way. I think they jump out, I believe, at one point were 28-7 or 24-7, somewhere in there. Indiana Indiana comes all the way back, 42-35. If it wasn't for that pick six, we might have seen an overtime game, but... OSU yep. survives behind Justin Fields. Those two interceptions. OSU moves to four and zero. Indiana to four and one. What are your thoughts? Well, you know, um, I think one thing Justin Fields obviously threw. He actually threw three picks. Three picks, okay. But I think one thing OSU showed was that grit. Or even if they're not doing so well in the turnover battle, you know, they can they can win a big game. On the other side, I think Indiana kind of showed us they are the real deal. You know, they've been winning some. Questionable games over the past couple weeks. We weren't really sure if they were just getting, you know, the, the fair yeah. hand or what. But they played OSU very well this they week. They did. They did. Penix Jr. at quarterback for Indiana earned so – that team in general earned so much respect in that game yesterday. I mean, a phenomenal job by them to not quit, to keep battling. They, they put up a video on their Twitter after the game and their coach talking to them, and he was. He just told them, men, you fought, and man, did they fight. I think you saw a resilient Ohio State football team. Mm-hmm. I thought, thought you saw a Justin Fields that struggled. But let's be honest, okay, football is a game of ups and downs. Yep. We've seen Trevor Lawrence throw four interceptions in a game. You know what I'm saying? You're going to have football games where you don't perform at your highest level, and you still have to find a way to win Yep. And then on Indiana side, they did not play their best football game at all either. I mean, you don't play good football down, you know, 28-7 at one point and still fall and kept it a football game. To me, in the rankings, wherever you had Indiana, they don't move. They are, right. for, for me personally, they are right where they are supposed to be. They are a hard-working, punch-you-in-the-mouth competitive football team that has a very, very bright future. And again, Ohio State... Hats off to you. You went in there, you took care of business, and now you move on to four and zero, and you know yeah. more to come down the line. I just think the one question it brings in my mind for Justin Fields, and granted, before we even you know get on this thing about you know Justin Fields left Georgia, 
this is the second tough game we've seen him kind of struggling. He struggled against Clemson last year in the playoffs. So, I mean, you got to wonder when he gets in the playoffs this year, is it going to be, you know, those tough games we see him struggle or is it just a fluke game and he's going to go on to play like a baller the rest of the season? Yeah, that's true. I think one of the things with college football, especially in COVID times right now, is, you know, you you have you hope to have like four top heavy teams per conference. Right. And we just honestly don't see that in a ton, in, in a lot of conferences. I think this year there are better football teams at a, in each conference, but you don't really get you get tested maybe one or two times a year. I mean last year, we did not see Ohio State get tested, I would say yeah. until I mean, really, until the playoffs, yeah. yeah. I mean, maybe you say that Michigan State game was a test where it got, it was iffy, it was iffy early, right? But it's, I don't think they got tested until the playoffs, and right. that's you know that's just a trial by fire thing. I think you give the time kid to grow, and I think he'll get there. So we'll see on that. Me, All right, let me Go ask ahead. you about another potential playoff team here. Okay, Cincinnati. Cincinnati boy. played UCF. They did closer than I think a lot of people thought. I think so. Well, when you got such a dynamic offense of UCF, because I don't think UCF plays great defense, but they do have a very good offense. Uh, Cincinnati was supposed to kind of hang their hat on their defense. I mean, hard fought game. They say that you know the toughest thing to college football is to go on the road and win. Yeah, and they did that. Can, so, I, give, can I give you a hot take here, though? Yeah, let's hear a hot take. Granted, Cincinnati's the away team. They they won the game. They're still undefeated. I think I know where you're going with this. I think this game is ultimately going to keep them out of the playoffs. Unless there's some implosion right. in the current top six teams, I think this has kind of showed where Cincinnati's cap is. Yeah. You played UCF within a three-point game. Well, I mean, again, it kind of goes back to the OSU scenario, right, where you just don't play your best game. They're down 14-3 to off rip. You know, they could not get the offense moving at all. And then Ritter comes on and – from there was pretty much they. Yeah. I mean, a close game, of course, at the end. But honestly, once that offense took off, they never right. looked back. I don't know if I if I give them the 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 permanent stamp of outside looking in. Maybe they're looking through the old peephole of the door, if you will. But uh, but yeah, I I, I could certainly see and respect that take. But uh, but we'll see, and we'll talk about the old playoff a little bit later yeah. here. Yeah, let's do it. All right, let's jump back to the Big Ten now. Northwestern Wisconsin, Wisconsin coming off of that housing of old Michigan. Yep. Honestly looking really good. Um and only their third game being played this year. Going up against Northwestern. Pat Fitzgerald has the old fighting Reese Davises if you watch college game day. Playing some really good football, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Yep. And the old Northwestern go in there and shock Wisconsin. Seventeen seven moving to five and zero, and what I would say probably permanently knocking Wisconsin out of the playoff picture. It's got to and I, I mean first of all before I start anything, props to Northwestern. They played a oh, great yeah. game against what I was going to assume was going to be a really tough opponent. Yeah. But I think Wisconsin just showed where their handicap is. They they rely on the run game a lot. Weren't really able to get that going. I mean, the turnover turnovers were killer for them. Five, I think it was five turnovers. It was. Yeah, I think it was four. It was four or five. Oof. But also, they, they yeah. showed their handicap at quarterback. I mean, yeah. he was not able – to do it going down the wire, yeah. so and he's and he'll grow, he'll be fine, yeah. and he's honestly he, you know, I I think he's this is either his first year starting, I believe it's his first year starting. He'll grow, you know, kids got a high ceiling, but yeah, Northwestern comes out. I think it's the game we expected, a hard nosed defensive gritty punch you in the mouth game, right. low scoring, seventeen seven. Hey, complete props to Northwestern. You hold that team to seven points and going to win the football game. Yep. I mean, Big Tens, you know, who would have thought we'd be sitting here after four weeks of, of them playing football and go, Northwestern is, un- or, or five weeks, Northwestern's undefeated at 5-0, and oh, and 
what I would probably call the second best team in the Big Ten right now. At this point, I'd have to agree with you. I mean, you know, who would have thought? I mean, picture this. Somebody comes to you before the season starts and goes, hey, Penn State's going to be 0-5 for the first time in school history, and Northwestern's going to be 5-0. You'd have said, yeah, right. Yeah, I agree. And, and mac and cheese ain't good, you know? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah no. Exactly. All right, let's move on to probably, you know, one of the bigger games of Saturday, certainly. You know, game days there, the old Bedlam rivalry. Oklahoma. Chippy game, chippy game. There was a lot going on mm. there, but that's a rivalry. That's Penn State what rivalry, you know, that's what Facts. you expect. Uh Oklahoma comes out, punches them right in the mouth, goes up 21 nothing, and honestly never looks back. Oklahoma takes the win 41-13. Ends the, uh, ends the day at 6-2. and two. Oklahoma State is now permanently, what I would say, on the outside looking in. 100%. And who would have thought, another who would have thought scenario, that when the season started, you after, after a couple weeks you would have gone, the Big 12 Championship might somehow again come down to Oklahoma and Texas on the old Red River. It's just crazy to me what's happened the last few weeks. I mean, you know, Oklahoma State played so well beginning the season. Ever since they took that L to Texas, they've been kind of on a downhill turn. Texas and Oklahoma have started going uphill, it looks like. Yeah. I mean, Elliger and Rattler showing why they're two they fairly are. elite quarterbacks. I mean, I mean, I told, I think I said it last week, Rattler is definitely going to be up in New York one day, at least up in the running for Heisman. So it's going to be, you know, I, yeah, I, I agree. You know, I think Texas and Oklahoma right now are going to be the probably the two teams competing for that Big 12 title. You got to watch Iowa State. Iowa State right, right now leads the Big 12, but and, and honestly looked phenomenal against a Kansas State team mm-hmm. who was decent and they, you know, housed them 45 right. nothing. You know, there's some contenders, but I think right now you are looking at probably a three three man race and and I never would have thought Texas and Oklahoma would be a part of that race whenever they yeah. you know they both lose two ball games, but hey, that's where we see it. That's COVID football season for you. Yeah, so sure all right, is. one more game we kinda wanna just talk about here, just touch on real quick. So because it is a playoff contender. Right. Florida and Vanderbilt. Right. Uh Vanderbilt comes out, gets the ball first, you know, eight play, eighty yard drive, seven nothing. They go on to lose the game to uh, to Florida, thirty eight seventeen. Florida moves to six and one. And and okay, if you have never listened to an episode of the Bash Brothers Sports Podcast, we are Georgia fans. That's who we are. We hate Florida, which you know my job as a football fan of Georgia is to dislike everybody else. I don't like any other team, but we have given Florida their props every episode. Incredible offense. It's time to pull back the curtain and say that defense is not Suspect. very good. It is not very good, and it, and that's okay against some of these teams. But you're you're looking. I mean, right now your sole goal is a Crimson Tide team that you're going to oh, see yeah. in December. That's yeah. what you're looking at. You know what I mean? Handle business and get there. And you can't win a. You're not going to beat them playing like this. Well, it comes back to the old saying, right? Defense wins championships. Facts. And I mean, you know, I think Florida with their offense right now could, I mean, score 21, 28, even more points than that on Bama. Oh, yeah. They Maybe could. in the Especially 30s. with everybody healthy. Get but Kyle Pitts back. Yeah. Let's be honest right now. Alabama, the way Florida lives right now, is going to absolutely peel the top off. Oh, yeah. They you are. Know what I mean, no I mean Matt Jones is Heisman caliber, just like Kyle Trask. Um, you know, Alabama has receivers, the running backs. The better defense, so they're better all-around team. 
Florida with their defense right now, I just don't think is going to be able to compete with Bama in that regard. A lot of time to get that worked out, though. So let's say that. Todd Grantham, if you're listening, as you should be, you know, the old third and Grantham, <laughs> got to tighten down the, the the hatches there. But Florida, again, continuing, continuously, the offense looks incredible. Trask Great is a offense. Cheat code. He is. He is playing phenomenal. He's clearly my Heisman front runner, yes, second that. 100%. There you go. So, you know, Florida, got, they handled business. They did exactly what they were supposed to do. But that defense just, you know, from Georgia to Arkansas to now Vanderbilt, you're playing, especially with Vanderbilt, you're playing teams there that are not supposed to score a lot of points. Oh, yeah. on you. And mm-hmm. don't get me wrong, 17 points ain't a ton, but, you know, you, you want to be a playoff caliber team. But, hey, sometimes you get the win you're supposed to. The next couple of weeks will kind of reveal the truth about that defense. Oh, yeah. All right, let's go to our segment number two. The old playoff pitcher. So this weekend, we saw all the games. This Tuesday, we get our first glimpse behind the curtain to that playoff committee. They're going to reveal where they think everything falls. AP poll just got released. Mm-hmm. If you're listening to this, we normally release the podcast on Monday. We film it on Sunday, and the AP poll has been released. And here's kind of what I want to touch on here. So my playoff pitcher last week sat at Bama, Notre Dame, Ohio State, Clemson, A&M, and Florida because A&M owns the head-to-head matchup. You had the same exact thing, but you flipped Florida and A&M, thinking Florida passes the eye test for you and looks better. Mm -hmm. This week's AP poll is my exact playoff pitcher. I think, does your playoff pitcher remain the same this week? Mine's going to be different. Okay. So another two other teams I had swapped was Ohio State and Notre Dame. Okay. I had Ohio State two, Notre Dame at three. I'm gonna swap those back. Okay. Ohio State again. You know, rough week. Human. Rough, rough week for Fields. So I'm gonna swap them back to number three. I still think they're top four. Obviously, I don't, okay. I don't think anybody would think that. Okay. So this Tuesday, we see it and we'll watch and you know we'll wait and see as we prepare our Thanksgiving Day feast and also we'll get to feast on some college football. Oh yeah. Here's a question I have for you. Now seeing where you stand on your playoff six and where I stand, do you believe, and just you can can just, you know, simple yes or no, you can explain it, do you believe we will see a non-Power 5 conference team in the top six of the playoff pitcher come Tuesday? No. I think at best Cincinnati's going to be eight. Okay. Um, I do think potentially – I'm going to swap Florida and Texas A&M as well. I think A&M, just with Florida's defense, the way they look – Okay. Florida six, A and M's five. I do think the only potential change that there might be is BYU at six instead of Florida, mm. just with how well BYU's been playing. They have. I don't exactly. Zach Wilson absolutely yeah. balling. Yeah. Do I necessarily agree with that? No, but I think that might be where the playoff committee may be leaning towards as far as far as yeah. the playoff picture. I can see that, especially with BYU having Zach Wilson, and that's a big name, and him kind of being in the Heisman contention. I think that spotlight continues to help BYU. You right. know, that's somebody who we really hadn't talked a ton about on the podcast. And, I mean, I can see that. I can definitely see that. I'm with you. I don't think you see a non-Power Power 5 conference team in the top six. I would love to be wrong. I think that would be very exciting for college football. Because, like we said, eventually you're going to have to throw one of them a bone. Right. And they're either going to get smashed or they're going to kind of prove that they can hang. Yeah, I agree with that. I just think if Cincinnati beats the full out of UCF, I think they're top six. I agree. This week. Yeah. But with only that three-point game and no yeah. Power 5 teams on their schedule, right. I, I do think they're going to be seven, probably eight, though, honestly. Right. It's, yeah, I mean, it, it will be very interesting to see. Either way, right now, you got some teams in front of you that are going to mo- – I mean, you've got, you know, an Alabama and a Florida who's going to play each other, mm-hmm. which, you know, that will permanently knock out 
Florida if they lose, which right. is kind of what I think everybody's expecting. I'm right. sorry, Florida fans. That's just the truth. You have a Clemson and Notre Dame who will play, who if yep. Notre Dame wins, then Clemson's out. So there's right. room for the old doomsday I scenario agree. to I get agree. you in there. So we will, we'll grab our popcorn on Tuesday, sit back and find out what's See going what on happens. here. All right, third segment. It is time to kind of just – let everything go. Let's just let's miss this last week, man. I did too. Me and you both. Let's put it all together. Yep. All of our thoughts, feelings, tears, joys. Let's have some dog talk let's here, do man. It. I'll let you open it up. Let's talk. Let's start here. This, I mean, this is obviously the biggest story of the day. JT Daniels. JT Daniels makes his first start for the Georgia yep. Bulldogs. Back in black, by the way, looking good. I'm, I'm, I'm for the black jerseys. I, oh yeah, I know they that. were. Those are good looking jerseys. Trust me, the purest. I was at the Alabama game in 08 when we wore them <laughs> and got smashed. I know. Trust me, I know the 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 whole failure behind the black jersey motto. But I like the black jersey. I think it gives the kids something to play for. So JT Daniels. Steps out on the Sanford Stadium for the first time in the black jersey. Drops four touchdowns, 401 passing yards, no interceptions. Let's hear what you think. So, I did not update my Facebook status on this last night because I specifically wanted to save this for the podcast. Drop it on the potty. At halftime, at halftime my post was JT Daniels at a B+. B+. Short intermediate passes looked incredible. He was commanding the line well. He commanded the offense well. There were a few throws deep that were questionable. He was getting sacked a lot. The mobility question was still there. After the end of this game, I think I'm going to give him an A+. That man showed the arm off. He had an absolute rifle. We saw him several times escape pressure when he needed to. Granted, I don't think he's going to be that scrambling quarterback that's going to get you 10 yards if you necessarily need him on the on the run. But he showed great awareness on the field and getting away from a few tackles. So I'm going to upgrade him to an A+. I mean, the man played phenomenal, in my opinion. He did. There's no doubt about it. You know, I think he's he's probably one of the only quarterbacks on Saturday who threw about six touchdowns on one drive. But, they, you know, Gosh, guys, guys got to catch the football. No, incredibly impressive debut. Um, really nice job. He made some very good reads. And here we talked about this. We, we watched the game together. Yeah. Here's the difference, Georgia fans. He made plays for Georgia – that Stetson Bennett would not have made. And I want right. to take you to the flea flicker. Georgia runs, runs the flea flicker. Right. If that is Stetson Bennett, he bombs that ball into double coverage and Lord yep. knows what happens. You saw JT hit his check down probably seven, eight times in the football game for right. positive yardage, moving the chains. Let me tell you, second and ten is a whole lot worse than second and six. Yep. Yeah, that's only a four-yard difference, but, man, when you're playing these you know, good football teams, and not that Mississippi State's a great football team, even though they did play a very good football game, those things matter. You know, those you saw him. You know, you saw him feel pressure and react right. to it. That one, you know, from about the thirty yard line when he sidesteps a guy, blitz and oh, yeah. untouched, and delivers a straight dime to George Pickens that just hits him in the wrong place. Say it with yeah. me, hits him in the in hands. hands. Yeah. Um, I mean, those are the things you look at and go, man, the mobility feels like it's there. Yeah. He's feeling the game, even though this is his first start since last August, over a year oh, yeah. just sitting on the sidelines. The kid really showed you what he's got. But let's. I want to look at this stat line too. I mean, kind of, it's same kind of principle, but receiving, right? Okay. One stat line I saw earlier today was Jermaine Burton. Prior to this game, caught ten passes off twenty-eight targets from Dewan and Stetson Bennett. Okay. Granted, Jermaine's been developing a little bit here. You know, he had some drops that were clearly his fault. Right. But still, that's a huge gap. Last night's game: seven targets, seven receptions. And I don't want to – I mean, Jermaine's a, a beast. But, like, George and Kyrus did their job, too. They yeah. did. All, the whole receiving core played incredible. 
But just the the atmosphere to me with JT in the game was just completely different. It was. It was. And you saw, I mean, you saw the deep ball. You know, we said it on the podcast after we lost to Alabama. We said it on the potty after we lost to Florida. You had guys open that we could not put the ball on. Last night you saw when a guy broke free, even if he had a step, you saw, you saw JT not only hit the open receiver, but throw the receiver open, which is a whole nother level oh, yeah. of a quarterback. And transitioning off that, let's look at our run game. Let's look at our defense. Run games very much took a step back. It struggled. Right. Defense struggled too. But let me address the run game for a second. So for people who just aren't aware, I'm going to drop some knowledge on you. Mississippi State sold out to stop the run. People can say all night long our offensive line got whooped, and maybe they did. Maybe five on five they did. But they were stacking the box. They had a consistent eight men in the box, and that is the reason that JT was able to expose the secondary. There was no help over the top, and JT said, well, I can throw dimes all day like I'm dropping into a piggy bank, and then consistently did that. So to say that the run game really didn't show up honestly isn't that fair. Let's just talk math real quick. If I have three people blocking and you have five people trying to tackle me, nine times out of ten, that's what's going to happen. Well, why don't we just flip that to a glass half full kind of of look too because when's the last time we've actually seen a a Georgia quarterback go out and win the football game when the run game was non-existent. Oh, it's JT won that game. Oh, fact, yeah. I mean, like, just straight up. He, he did not make any mistakes right. as far as turnovers. Right. I mean, the kid just went, balled out, and won Georgia the game off just passing. It was like Mississippi State's goal. They said, listen, we're going to sell out, and we're going to see what this kid's got. They yep. obviously knew JT. Everybody knew JT was going to start after the news broke earlier in the week. They said, we're going to force this kid who hadn't played a game in over a year to beat us, and that's exactly what he did. He yep. said, oh, you're, you're, you're going to give me single coverage on the outside and think we're going to cover Kiaris Jackson yep. or Trey or Jermaine Burton or you know whoever. Georgia has a plethora of wide receivers, too. Oh, I mean, yeah. they're not even really – I don't even know if we really threw to a tight end. Excited, uh, we haven't. And, but you got to think, too, Marcus Rosemey's hurt. Dominic Blaylock hasn't touched the field this year. And Tommy Bush is also hurt. Exactly. And that's three guys I haven't even seen the – I mean, Marcus saw the field a little bit, but that's three guys that are going to yes. be incredible as well. The future is bright. Now let's look at the defense. The defense did struggle, which, let's be honest, uh the, the backup for Mississippi State coming in played a heck of a ball game. That kid made out. some throws. Yes. I mean, to me, you know, you look at what's going on there. If you're Mike Leach, also, side note, hats off to Mike Leach for bringing in 49 players and playing Georgia at Sanford Stadium. Right. Hats off to you. I definitely respect the old coach for that one. But you're looking at a Mississippi State team who I think they're finding the future. Yeah, I mean, in are. terms of Will Rogers, that kid was balling. They gave him – Georgia played very soft coverage, especially in the first half. Very soft coverage and gave that kid – I mean, you know, the line protected. We really weren't getting a lot of push. Yeah. So hats off to their O-line for that. And he made the throws. And then a couple – you know, you look at that, I think it was the second touchdown they did whenever Mark Webb, who's pretty good in coverage, yep. and, man, he put the ball on a dime, dropped it in off a fishing line, and homie just, you know, yep. finished it out with the, with the run and scored. I mean, hats off to them. They look very yeah. good. So, so it's not like 
that was not the Mississippi State team I think everybody was expecting. But I also think, too, once you saw Kirby kind of shift more toward the, the rush, the pass rush, yes. which Georgia is phenomenal at. They're phenomenal right. at getting pressure on the quarterback. Finally. Yes. We saw Mississippi State kind of have to make – we saw Will Rogers make a few bad throws. Not necessarily yeah. into coverage, but, like, you know, it was right. offline. Yes. So I think that was the biggest thing, too. Once Kirby just finally said, we're going to sell out and pass right. rush some – that's when the game started taking a turn for the defense. They loved that about like 10-yard pass right over the middle on yep. soft coverage. And I told you when we were sitting there, I said, oh, in the second half, somebody will jump that route. Oh, yeah. And what happens? Like two different times in yep. the second quarter, you have guaranteed pick sixes who if, you know, it hit the guy in the wrong in the wrong place. Everybody now, say it with me. You should know by now. It hit him <laughs> in, in the hands. hands. And, I mean, you're looking at a defense who's just got to execute. You also got your signal caller, Richard LeCount, who's still sitting at home somewhere in Athens, who has the best hands on the secondary, I would say. And still missing two of your biggest defensive tackles as well. There's no doubt about it. So, I mean, you got a banged-up defense who, you know, ultimately did their job. They got the stops they needed, and they pull one out. JT's first start. I think the future's looking bright for the old dog. So, we'll suit up. 7.30 7.30 next week, we'll see the old Gamecocks and the fighting Mike Bobos and find out what's yeah. going on there. But here's my question to you, and, I mean, we've asked this several weeks on the podcast already. we got to talk about it. Why, like, why now? Like, why is it, you know, why is he coming in just now? Right. Okay, so we go into this week knowing we kind of have a lose-lose situation, right? If you're Kirby Smart, it's 100% a lose-lose situation. you got a kid you're about to start. He either goes in and he absolutely balls out and everybody goes, well, daggum, why didn't you play him sooner? And yep. then he goes in there and he's awful and you lose a ball game. You know what I'm saying? So it's honestly a lose-lose. But here's the thing. Stetson Bennett, early in the year, he had the he gave Georgia the best opportunity to win. Yeah. With Todd Monken's playbook, we come into the season thinking Jamie Newman is going to be our quarterback. Right. If you don't think Todd Monken was moving the pocket, having these short, easy throws for him, and then eventually pulling the top off with, with Jamie Newman, right. that's what it was. Stett was mobile. He could yep. make throws on the run and could make the right reads normally. Yeah. I mean, the dude played three and a half ball games fantastically. Yeah. And then... You JT Daniels, especially with, you know, destroyed his leg. I mean, yeah. could have possibly been a career-ending injury. Comes in, and he's just not that quarterback yet. I think right. he showed people he's a lot more mobile than we than we might have expected. Right. I think the knee is feeling very good. But to me, it was still clear. And you got to give hats off to Kirby now for literally – he knew he was in a lose-lose scenario. He knew JT was going to go out there and perform because he knows who JT Daniels is. He knew everybody was going to ask him after the game, why now, Kirby? And he sat in front of the media, if you watched his, his uh, conference last night, and he said, listen, we, we analyzed the guys. Stett gave us the best opportunity to win. Now we think JT does. And look, JT goes out there and he throws for 401 yards and no interceptions. 100%. So I think Kirby ultimately makes the right decision. Don't get me wrong. Hindsight's twenty twenty. If I could shake the old eight ball and go back in time and start week one with JT Daniels, and who knows, maybe we lose to Arkansas or we screw around and, and you know lose yeah. to Auburn with JT. You just don't know. You never know. But let's be excited about the future. Let's not jump on Kirby and you know all this nonsense that some fans are doing. Right. So uh, honestly, I'm happy with it. What do you think about the Kirby yeah. questions there? I mean, you got to look at all this. Stetson played a phenomenal three and a half games of football. Facts. Once he got in the game, I, I mean, I couldn't even, I couldn't fathom taking him out of the game. If you no. told me in week three against, uh, was it Tennessee? We played week three. I believe so. Tennessee that Stet was coming out for somebody else, I would have been like, what? Why? Yeah, why was you? Yeah. So, I, I mean, you know, there, there's just no way to take him out. 
And then, again, you have to question what's JT doing behind the scenes. Was he going through a full day of practice and then limping for five hours afterwards? Exactly. I mean, you don't actually know what's happening with JT's leg and all, like, behind the scenes of practice. Yeah. So, you have to... I mean, there's no way Kirby Smart sitting there at practice, like you said, early, like one of our earlier podcasts... JT, you're clearly better, but you know what? Stetson just, yeah, he, he looked, a, yeah. I like his curly locks, so he's right. going in the game. He's not a knucklehead. So, Kirby Smart's been coaching football for 25 years. He knows what he's doing. And also, you don't have a traditional spring. you got guys yeah. coming in having, I mean, the quarterback has to be the general of the offense. We don't even know if, you know, he said in his press conference last night, also, humble, well-spoken guy. That's the first time I've really yeah. seen him speak where he's been available to the media. I mean, he said it himself. He said, my goal had to be coming in and learning the playbook quickly. Yeah. I mean, of course, you can't throw a kid out there versus Auburn or Tennessee or especially at Alabama when you don't even know the play, when you don't know the playbook. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. You have to trust your coach. And, I mean, you know, people want to say, you know where we stand on the whole Justin Fields, Jake Fromm scenario. you got a kid who's up 21 points in a national championship. I'm sorry, you don't bench him for a kid who's never played college football. Right. Hindsight's 2020. We can all be armchair quarterbacks and say, oh, Justin Fields would have been better, and you might be right. But guess what? That Kirby Smart made the right call in keeping Jake Fromm. Yeah. If Justin Fields would have stayed week six versus Florida, he probably would have played. You know, yeah. He'd have been the starting quarterback from the University of Georgia. So... I trust Kirby right now. I think oh, yeah. he's doing well. I think the future's bright. Got a couple crooks in say, recently, too. So. Let's, let's be honest, too. 2021, that QB battle with JT and Brock, that's going to be It's going to be interesting. If if this was not just a flash in the pan for JT, yeah. if this is what we can expect, and, and here's what's scary. Here's what's terrifying. We are going to play a more traditional defense where you won't have a Mike Leach sell out to stop Georgia running the ball, and you're going to have running backs going for 100 yards a game and oh, yeah. him throwing for 400 yards a game, or let's just be pessimistic and say 300 yards, because I don't care. You can double coverage uh, Jermaine or George or whoever. He still can drop it into a bucket from about 40 yards. Yeah. So good luck. The ceiling is very high for And those three guys, too, are elite, and they're going to make plays for JT as well. And they're young. Yes. They are young. Also, shout out to D-Rob. You caught a couple passes last night. Yep. You got open, and uh, and JT found you. So hats off there. Yep. Whew, boy, that was a lot. Dude, was, you, I bet you could tell, listen at home, we had that sitting on our chest for a while. <laughs> I feel like I just got a weight off of it. Yep. That was a fun game to watch, though. All right. My personal, probably favorite segment to just really delve into. Yeah. Our final segment here, the old Bash Brothers Pick'ems. Take us through last week's picks. All right, so we picked Auburn, Tennessee. I picked. We both picked Auburn on that one. We did. Wisconsin, Northwestern. Both went Wisconsin on that one. Mm-hmm. Indiana, OSU, same there. And then uh, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, all had the same pick. So we picked Auburn, Wisconsin, o- or Ohio State, and Oklahoma. And we went four for four. No, I wish. <laughs> we did, however, go three and one in those picks. I'll take that. I'll the take only that. game we lost was Wisconsin. And granted, I think we both thought Wisconsin was just going to blow Northwestern out of the water. We did. Oh, I, th- I, I, like I said earlier, I think we got the game we expected. I just did not expect, which, you know, I feel stupid now sitting here with Pat Fitzgerald being such a great defensive coach, thinking that they were going to be able to move. I, I honestly thought Wisconsin was going to be able to run at will. Yeah. The, like the second play of that game, we obviously we watched the Wisconsin Northwestern game. Jordan and I did together, and the running back takes it up the middle for like twelve yards. And I said they're going to do that all day long. Guess what? I was wrong. Again. So yeah, I mean, you know, I still stand by that pick. If I had to pick that time, that game nine out of ten times, I go Wisconsin. 
But hats off to Northwestern. Hey, Absolutely. not a bad week. Three and one. Yeah, I'll take that every week. I'll take that all day long. All right. Now, we got to pick some football games for old week 13. Hey, I got, got one right off the rip 13. if you want me to go with it. Hey, shoot from the hip. I'm going to tell you this right now. And granted, the only reason I'm asking you this one is because in years past, this has been an iffy game. Because okay. you never know. It's back and forth. I hope you're not starting where I think you're starting. Big rivalry. Oh, darn it. The old Iron Bowl. Gosh dang it. Auburn and Alabama. Yeah, I, I, I figured mean, you were going to I go think there. we both know who's probably going to win this game. But in-state rivalries <laughs> we've seen in the past can just go oh, haywire. I know. I know. And so, so, I'm, so I'm thinking about this last night when game day announced they're going there. If you didn't know, that's where college game day, college game day is going. After Liberty drops the ball, which again, shout out to Coach Hugh Freeze. He's doing great. They lose their game 14 to nothing. Um, I mean, 14 15. Uh, we, we are getting the same game as last year, ultimately, right? Mm-hmm. So last year, Auburn, I mean, Alabama loses Tua. They start Mac Jones. Right. And they go to Auburn on the Plains. And Bo Nix comes in and he beats them off two pick sixes from uh, Mac Jones. Right. Much different Mac Jones this year, though. Yes. Much different Mac Jones. But it's a – oh, man, I want to do it so bad. You have no idea how bad <laughs> I want to do it. Not because of anything, you know, I don't like Auburn or Alabama, which here asterisks by that. I'm a Georgia fan. I don't like anybody else. You won't catch me wearing another color. I bleed red and black. I want to do it so bad because there's only one person who calls Nick Saban on the regular, and his name's Gus Malzahn. I will give you that he one. He has that man's phone number, but this week something tells me the service on his flip phone just ain't <laughs> quite working the same. Give me Alabama closer than the experts think early. Alabama by 14 in the end. I can give you that one. Here is the one word I want to use for these quarterbacks, and it's consistency. Oh, facts. Matt Jones all year has been consistent. No doubt. Bo Nix, not so much. <laughs> yeah. Alabama is just, at this point in time, especially the more complete team. They have the better offense. I'm going to go Bama by at least 20, honestly. Okay. And, I mean, we'll see. Ultimately, we'll find out. But, yeah, that's that'll it, it'll be fun to watch. I believe they get the 330 kickoff. You'll, yeah. you'll you know – Throw a turkey in the oven, sit back, watch the Iron Bowl, enjoy it. Maybe throw back a few ice-cold Mountain Dews. That's what I'll be doing. <laughs> the old Robitussin, as we call it. And, I mean, yeah, it'll be fun to watch. We'll see. But, yeah, I mean, I think ultimately Alabama's the right call. We'll see after we do a little homework. That's I, true, too. Because I, I seriously, I, I stayed up a little. I stayed up last night, and I watched the, the Pac-12 after dark, uh, USC-Utah. And, and as soon as I saw they announced game day's position, I was like, man, you know, that's ultimately the same game as last year. The only yeah. difference is you have a much better Mac Jones than you did last yep. year, much more experienced. But that's just – I mean, you never know. The Iron Bowl. I mean, you know, from kick six to whatever else you want to call any other thing. It's always crazy. It's always crazy. All right, hit me with another game. I'm sure you got another one. Why There's one in the ACC that I'm looking at. You want me to go? You can go. I got one in the Big 12 I want to go for. I got to go. It's Oof, man, especially – this game, if you're listening, if you don't dive into the numbers, you're going to go, Connor, why are you even talking about this game? But let me dive you into the numbers real quick. We got Notre Dame and North Carolina, an ACC game as of this year that North Carolina, I mean, that Notre Dame has joined the Big Ten. You would think that number seven Notre Dame is going to beat the fool out of North Carolina, which, let me just whisper it to you, that's very possible. But the opening line for this game is Four points for Notre Dame, okay? Yep. That does not make sense at all. 
Let me take you back a couple weeks, okay? West Virginia and Kansas State are going to play football, okay? Jordan and I do our homework. We take picking college football games very seriously, okay? West Virginia is not near as good as um, who they play, I just said, Kansas State. West Virginia is favored by a touchdown. That tells you Las Vegas, they know something that you don't, okay? Las Vegas looked at Connor and said, hey, Connor, we know more than you. And what happens? West Virginia beats the fool out of them. West uh, Notre Dame is the favorite, so it's not a full swing this time that North Carolina is a favorite. Right. But a four point game for Notre Dame. Ooh, let me tell you something. Vegas is looking at you, listener, and they're saying, "I know something you don't know." Very, very sneaky game there. Um, Matt Brown has honestly not had the season that I thought he thought he would. Nope. Um, Sam Howell has not played as well as we thought he would. But, man, what do, you, what do you have left except to beat a Notre Dame team That's and true. take away playoff hopes? North Carolina comes in at 6-2. and two. Obviously, Notre Dame undefeated off that big, big win versus Clemson. Ooh, man, right now, after not doing any homework, I'll give you Notre Dame in a close one. But look at Pickham this week at the end of the day. I'm sure we'll have to pick them. Connor might be flopping that one. It's consistency, right? It I is, mean, what's North, Carolina, North Carolina hasn't been anything if not inconsistent, so – Hey, but let me tell you. When they played well, they have played well. I will give it to and them. And a blind squirrel finds a nut every yeah. once in a while. And the old wind is starting yep. to change out here. But this one is not going to be a hot take. I got to go in Notre Dame. Same, right. As the favorite here, I think. Right. But, man, that's... Ooh. It is. Oh, I know which one you're fixing to go. Because I see you pulling over <laughs> on your computer right now. And, gosh darn it, I am so scared of this football so, game. So, let's be honest. It's gonna. This is going to be a game that decides this is the, one of these teams going to the Big 12 championship, this right? Is, this is technically a prelude to the Big 12 title game. Six and two, number 15, Iowa State Cyclones, going into Texas to play the five and two Texas Longhorns. <sighs> Sam Ellinger, Brock Purdy, both look. Pretty good in the quarterback's position. There's no doubt about it. Both are good teams. Who do, you, who do you got? Okay. So, Iowa State, we already gave them props one time. They come out against Kansas State and absolutely house them. We All had right. to pick that game for pick them. We both took Iowa State. We both took Iowa State high. Not 10 like some other people, a couple knuckleheads, you know, <laughs> mainly my father. But um, we had them high, and we won that game pretty handily, obviously, yeah. 45 nothing. This is this is where this is who Texas is. This is what they do. Yep. Texas shows up against a high school team and forgets how to play football, and then they go in and play a team that they shouldn't be close to, and they beat them. Not even a hot take. Might switch it after the homework comes in, but right now the best player on the field will be Sam Ellinger. 100%. And I'm not a hundred. It's I think it's Osai or Osai that uh, linebacker yeah. for Texas. Texas has a, a stout defense. The key to beating Iowa State, slow down Brock Purdy and that tight end. I believe they have the number two tight end right now on Mel Kiper's big board. Stop that connection. Stop Iowa State. Horns beat Cyclones. Horns are going to the Big 12 title game. That's my pick. I hear you. I mean, you know how I like to pick quarterbacks. I do. I do do a lot of homework on quarterbacks because that's who's going to win you the football game ultimately when it comes down the wire. That's true. Sam Ellinger, to me, is easily the better quarterback. I'm I'm very as much as as cocky as he can be. I really do like Sam Ellinger. I mean, I'm going with Texas on this he one. He is a gamer. He I is. Mean, he just he's a has baller. That. Don't get me wrong. He's lost a plenty of ball games. Texas was not back, 
but <laughs> the kid is a gamer. He and is. I, yeah, give me Sam Ellinger. All right, I got another one. We got let's, a little time here. You know? We're chilling. Let's do it. It's, we, got a, we, got a, we got a holiday week coming up, but yeah. we ain't got nowhere to be. And I, I like this. Well, man, I gotta go to work tomorrow, so we can't fact, be picking yeah, all night. Me and you both. <laughs> um, a Pac-12 game that I didn't think we would see this game be what it's gonna be, but we got two undefeated Pac-12 teams coming in in USC and Colorado. Okay. I think this is a very, very interesting game. Colorado, I did not expect them to be undefeated at this point. I expected USC to be undefeated up until I saw them play a football game against Arizona State that I thought they would lose. And they're still undefeated. They handled Utah last night in Utah. Very cold game. Yep. I want to hear what you what you think. Well, obviously, I'm a little mad at USC at this point because they uh, they definitely ruined my Utah pick last night. They did. Well so done. So my pick them kind of went downhill from there. But I also picked Utah just for clarity. Yeah. Jordan and I both picked Utah. You know, Jake Bentley transferring from South Carolina doesn't even get the doesn't win the quarterback battle, but Utah playing their first game. Right. I think they will eventually be a very good football team, especially with Jake Bentley being a senior out there. But, you know, you got to give them a little time. First football game they got to play, USC, you know, Slovis goes out there. Right. He's had a very shaky season so far, but he handles business in Utah. So, well yeah. done, USC there. Let's hear your pick. Yeah, you know, USC scared me a little bit, but ultimately they look like a good team right now in the Pac-12. So, I'm still not fully convinced on Colorado yet. So I think at this point in time, I'm just going to have to go with the USC Trojans. This might be the first time we've done this on the podcast. This might just be the You're first time. You're picking against me here? I am picking against okay. you. So, er, so, so obviously, you know, we got to throw this asterisk. We filmed this podcast very early in the week. We don't watch a ton of film early in the week, and, you know, we don't know the numbers. We don't know injury reports, the whole nine yards, and that's how that's the information we used to pick. But I think the key to to, to – so I look at the Utah game last night. I stayed up and watched right. the whole thing. People were open. Jake Bentley struggled to hit them, right? Mm-hmm. So the USC defense is vulnerable, and Colorado's got a very dynamic offense. I don't know what I'm getting from Slovis. Extremely shaky quarterback. I believe I know what I'm getting for Colorado. Colorado's game got canceled last week, so right. that does play a part in it. USC's played a little more football now. Yeah, give me Colorado. Also, that game right now is TBD. We'll see if they actually get to play it. Right. But, yeah, if they do, if they do, give me the buffs. Give me the old buffaloes. Okay. I like it. All right. So, daggum, we got a got a good week of college football coming up. Absolutely. Good week of, of, of eating. Yep. Um, anything you want? Anything left on the table? No, nah, I think we're good. I'm just ready for Saturday now. I'm ready for some turkey. I I'm ready for too. some football, some pro football. Um, I don't know if you saw... Joe Burrow, just a little side note, little NFL talk, had a pretty nasty injury today. Had to get Dude, carted off the field. That. Yeah, so prayer, prayers up for Joey B. Honestly, was having a pretty dang good season. He really was, on a, yeah. on a not great football team, which obviously if you get the first pick, you're not a super good football right. team, you know, there in the Cincinnati Bengals. But, you know, prayers up for him. You know, that kid's got a, a great future ahead. Absolutely. And uh, also another injury that I'll just touch on here. It's not NBA time yet, but Clay Thompson – yeah. Tears the Achilles after a season where he tears the ACL. He comes back. You know, he he doesn't come back, but he's finally getting healthy again. And what right. I would assume was either in a practice or a scrimmage over there. In a, actually a pickup game. Pick, was it a pickup? It was a pickup game. game oh, yeah. That's that's terrible. So prayers yeah. up to him too, man. You know, you'll probably miss uh, you know two seasons, but hey, put in the work, come back bigger and stronger. Mm-hmm. He is. He also has a, a pretty pretty sweet looking bulldog. So. I haven't seen it's that. Like, it's like his awesome. best friend, dude. It's all over his Instagram, yeah. so you have to check that one out. All right. Jordan, where can they find you? 
Uh, they can find me on Instagram and Twitter, actually, at jharris underscore six, and then just hit me up on Facebook, Jordan Harris. Yes, sir. We have an official Twitter and Facebook page. Just search Bash Brothers Sports Podcast. The Bash Brothers Sports Podcast now available, which I want to say, you know, pat to our back. You know, three episodes in, we've actually been consistent. We've been working hard, taking this very seriously. Oh, yeah. We've got a couple loyal listeners, which we're very appreciative of. Uh, Bash Brothers Sports Podcast now available wherever you listen to podcasts. Finally got picked up by Apple Podcasts, so thank everybody for that. The support has just been honestly awesome. Um, you can find me at Connor Mason Chandler on Instagram or at Connor Chandler on Facebook. Again, our official pages are Bash Brothers Sports Podcast yep. on Twitter and Facebook. Go give us a like and a follow over there. This episode, we normally drop our episodes every Monday. We have some time this week with it being off. What do you say? Yeah. Maybe we do a we do just like maybe a short pick'em episode, maybe on Wednesday or so. We might have to look into that. We might look might into that. Follow us on Facebook for more details on that. We might have to do that because we got a little extra time this week. But hey, enjoy your family. Enjoy your food. Enjoy your football. Enjoy your sports. Love each other. You know, keep everybody in your prayers this week. It's Thanksgiving. Everybody's yep. around family. And uh, as always, we are the Bash Brothers signing off. You're.